So hello, you're all very welcome. I sprained my mental health episode 12. Thanks for joining me. And oh, we say it, if you've been here before, if it's now a ritual for you, part of your routine, weekly habit, thanks very much for coming back. I really appreciate it. Close to a thousand downloads, which really happy about. I um, I was saying this to someone the other day. This is a, a minute enterprise on the smallest of scales and I'm not going to take over the world with a podcast that I'm uh, recording on my phone in my sitting room on a Thursday night. But um, like that band Kiss in the 80s, a small but very loyal following that have tuned in every week, so thanks very much. Um, I'm really enjoying it and I'm enjoying the, the feedback and the the conversation that is created with other people and uh, most of which are strangers who I don't even know which is deadly um, there's an art to connect them with people and I suppose something like this helps so here I am Thursday night sitting room lights are dim there's a nice nice aura aura of pleasantness about the place at the moment and uh, I feel I need that I need to decompress so I have a hot brew and a few biscuits in front of me. I spent the evening, I was at the Ireland game with one of the boys. Ireland played Northern Ireland in a friendly in the Aviva. And uh, sweet suffered in Jesus. Uh, we are chronic. First Ireland game I've been at in, um, I'd say about 10 years, maybe longer. Got handed free tickets. It was in a raffle. First prize was two tickets. Second prize was 10. Um, couldn't give them away. And... I feel like I need a cleanse after it. I feel like I need to go to confession. It's like, oh, I don't like criticising, but Jesus Christ, I was look. Those tickets were forty-five euro. Um, if I had to pay forty-five euro for tonight, that tonight, like, I really wouldn't be happy with myself. That would be a poor decision on my behalf. But um, anyway, we survive. We're back from home. Everything went all right. Um, but yeah, Jesus, what bad. My God. Anywho, um, where have I gone with that? I've gone off track talking about the Ireland team. Random point to start with. I listen to a lot of Eminem lately, and there's relevance in this. Um, it was just one of them suggested pop ups on, uh, on my Spotify. I had a hooked up to the car a couple of weeks ago. I says, jeez, I haven't listened to Eminem in a while. So we'll knock this on. And, um, oh, Jesus, I'm loving it. He has that aggressive, rock-infused style to uh, to hip-hop, to rap. And whilst I loved Eminem when I was younger, in truth, I don't think I really had a had an appreciation for the capacity of his writing talent. And... Um, I've just kind of been studying a lot of his lyrics and a lot of his work as I've been listening to it. I was like, this guy is actually a fucking genius. And um, actually, I remember when I was younger, I used to love, I used to love that genre of music. Um, Hip-hop, rap, a lot of NWA, a lot of Dre, with a Biggie two-pack. But amazingly, at that time in my life, and I spoke about it before, I was bullied and I was picked on um, for what I looked like. But this obviously fucking etched into other areas of my life that it wouldn't have mattered what I done it, it was it was fucking ammunition 
for these guys to torture me, to fucking torment me. And I used to love fucking listening to rap and hip hop, but I was informed by my fucking tormentors that uh, I wasn't cool enough to be listening. I didn't fit the profile of the type of kid that should have been listening to rap and that I wasn't to listen to it anymore. And that if they heard I was listening to it, they'd punch the head off me. Um, fucking sound, lads. So, uh, so I had to do it on the down low. Uh, most young fellas, 15, 16, had a stash of fucking porn underneath their bed. I had a stash of fucking rap albums. Couldn't tell anybody, that was my secret. I used to lock the door and have to listen to it quietly when nobody was around. Hopefully nobody would come home early because I didn't want anybody finding out because of the consequences. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. The fucking shit that gets in your head. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, again, just with me love of writing, it's, uh, it's a great genre to kind of, to approach with openness, to kind of study and learn from. And a few years ago, a couple of the kind of writing workshops that I did, I went to a hip hop, and it was actually called a rhyme and rhythm workshop in writing that I attended. It was the fucking, the best crack I've ever had. Uh, great group, there was eight or nine people there, good mix in terms of age and good mix of uh, male and female. Really talented writers. Um, I felt a bit kind of inadequate, and uh, but it was great. I loved it. What I love about these type of things, these type of workshops, um, and I said this about the life skills program that I'm, I'm attending at the moment as well, is that when you go to these things, the people who are there are people who want to be there. They've committed to this because, because of their openness to the subject matter. So in this rhyme and rhythm workshop, it was the first time in my life I was actually... I was given this kind of broadened view on sort of the structure of rhyme uh, and the very essence of what it stands for. So it, it obviously rhyme, it, it's series and it's sequence. And I just kind of had in my head, my understanding was just this cla- classic rhyming scheme like fucking love and dove and um, flying and dying and really basic straightforward nursery rhymes uh, explanation. but. In this workshop, and the teacher, the lecturer, oh, she was brilliant. I can't remember her name. And there's no way I could even find that out. Maybe I'll try and find it out. But anywho, we were given a really detailed insight just to the just to different rhyming schemes and how artists put together hip-hop songs. Um, and it was fucking fascinating. And I loved it. And I really wish I had it gone again and sort of kept it up in... in in a, on a more sort of consistent basis. So, with rhyme schemes, you've got your general rhymes, which um, they're classified by sort of the, you know, a degree of phonetic similarity. So, as I say, you've like, fucking bank and tank, really straightforward. Um, you've got, I'm trying to fucking remember here off the top of my head. I did go back to read this. So, you've got imperfect rhymes, which would be, it would have variants of sort of stressed and unstressed syllables. So something like wing and caring um, would fall under the bracket of imperfect rhymes. Um, you've got weak rhymes, um, which would be, again, based on syllables, which would be something like hammer and carpenter, um, which would be similar. I think that's also called a semi-rhyme. Um, <laughs> semi-rhyme, that sounds filthy. But uh, you've got consonant rhymes, is where you're just matching consonants. So something like rabies and robbers. And 
So when these guys, the likes of Eminem, all these different fucking high profile, really extremely fucking talent professionals are writing their uh, writing their lyrics, writing their songs, they break everything down into a rap sheet. And uh, if you watch the film Eight Mile, which to be fair wasn't great, but there's a scene in Eight Mile where Eminem is on a bus. He has a, a, a white um, A4 pad. Not a white A4 pad, it's a fucking yellow A4 pad, that's what stands out. And it shows him writing. The sheet on that that he's writing is the actual sheet that he used to write Just Lose Yourself. That was the rhyme sheet that he used to write it. So, in that circle of hip-hop writing, in that circle of rhyme and rhythm, Lose Yourself, um, which I'm sure you remember, is it's that... Uh, it's probably one of his most famous songs, I suppose, just because everybody sort of latches onto it for motivational purposes. And not for me anymore, I'm kind of past it. Do you know in a song that you hear so much, um, it sort of loses all reason and loses all impact? Lose Yourself is one of those songs, so it doesn't do anything for me anymore, unfortunately. But um, lyrically, and in, in, as I said, in that sort of sphere of hip-hop writing, Lose Yourself is recognised as... Um, as being flawless in the breakdown of rhyme and rhythm. There you go. There's some fucking useless information for you that is not gonna help you with your day in any way whatsoever. Um, but yeah, Eminem. Fucking hell, we've just spent 10 minutes talking about rhyming. I don't, I did bring up Eminem for a reason and I don't think it was to do with rhyming. But anyway, there you have it. And usually what happens in these instances is something gets into my head and um, it leads me down this fucking rabbit hole and I'm usually left with this fucking plate of nonsense that I have to once again decipher and break down into conversation that would make suitable for people listening to a podcast. Um, but there you go. Hip-hop structure. Vocals beat. Um, stuff I probably didn't appreciate when, I'm yo- when I was younger. But... Uh, Really enjoy it, so um, yeah. Do you listen to Eminem? Do you listen to hip hop? Am I on my own? Do I need to grow up? I don't fucking know. But uh, that's that's something that held me attention in this last week. Anywho, last week, right, so, um, the podcast, fucking Eminem, Lose Yourself. Better lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it, you better never let it go. You only get one shot, the month missed your chance to blow, this opportunity comes within the life to see, fucking embedded into me. It's in me head, carved on the side of me skull. Um, that's why it worked, I suppose. But, um, right, moving on. Anyway, that's enough of the rap. Uh, last week's podcast, you loved it. You did. The feedback was fucking magic, and it's funny because the previous two weeks, um, and I spoke about this, I did an episode about running, and what it meant to me, I did an episode kind of related to coaching and sports, and you weren't mad in it, but I thought they were fucking great. Um, Last week was the first episode of the podcast I recorded right through, so from start to finish, there were no breaks in the segment. Um, Normally I kind of do five, ten minute segments, and... I have to break, and it's not done on purpose, it's just to do with my schedule with fucking work and changing nappies and all that type of stuff. Um, but last week I just had a bit of time and I knocked on through and I felt there was a break in 
there was a break in the emphasis and the points I was trying to make just because I got a bit fucking emotional about certain things and uh, I thought that would affect the um, the fidelity of the message I was trying to put across but no it didn't, the feedback was good um, people liked the rawness um, whereas they were saying beforehand when I was doing stuff and maybe getting emotional the segment would break and it could be two days later by the time I get back to it and I was calm again so um, there seemed to me appreciation for the rawness um, but on last week I spoke I, I spoke about I spoke about masculinity and I offered a viewpoint on masculinity um, and the potential contributing factors that may conclude to sort of an underpinning crisis of of of, of men um, and what we face in, in today's Ireland and I gave this explanation um, through this hypothetical journey, this chronological journey of a man in his 30s uh, and the different, different passages of arrival throughout his life, such as school, college, work, um, and the provocations attached to all of those that uh, may affect emotional stability and otherwise. Um, and I lost my way with it slightly and it developed into a kind of a, a stammering invective that I made very personal. And I think the lines between partial recognition of what I wanted to outline they just became a bit blurred um, as I just made I think I made the explanations just far too close to my own experiences and my own life um, and I think that's probably fine I think losing myself into something so important it, it's acceptable it's understandable but I would have liked to sort of attack it a bit more from a neutral perspective um, and examine the overall state of play, play from a distance um, when it comes to male mental health um, but as I said, just regardless of the interfering despairs throughout the episode, um, it was well received, and uh, and I appreciate it. I, repre- I appreciate the um, the feedback that you give because it does help. I do, I do kind of try and take everything on board in hope that I can develop this and make it make it more enjoyable for you, the listener. And um, with the with the rant that sort of developed last week, it, it just it brings it back to sort of my own stance on this podcast and what I'm producing and it's very much brainstorming it's like scribbling my ideas onto a page there's nothing neat and final about it um, it's very much a first draft of my thoughts and it what I do and say on this kind of helps my own it helps my own progression in understanding my own thoughts and feelings and when I put it out there I may say something that if it's said back to me, it may challenge my own views and allow me to explore it in a bit more detail or in a different state of mind as well. Um, and as I said, I got emotional last week, so maybe I didn't have the clarity I needed to to uh, expand on the on the subject. But um, but it is helpful. So I suppose. Um, in conclusion of that explanation, if last week's episode was a college assignment, I think it would have been handed back to me with the explanation that, like, look, it needs more research, it's not complete, which is perfectly fine. But I think the strongest point, sorry, on it as well, masculine, the crisis of masculinity that I spoke about, again, if you didn't listen to it, please do go back, um, because there were a lot of points raised um, it did get a bit scattered, but I'd love you to listen to us just just to challenge your own beliefs and views. And again, if you do agree with me, let us know. If you complete, if you think I talk complete and other rubbish, again, let me know. Um, it's all about opening a conversation about mental health, and just in this instance, it was about male mental health. 
So the strongest response that I did receive to last week's uh, discussion was um, was corresponding to the opinion I gave on, on, I suppose, feminism and gender equality and how that may affect, may affect male behaviour and male mental health. And incidentally, the concerns and comments I received on this, um, they came from lads. It was like, Jesus, Dave, you can't say that. And um, I didn't say anything bad, I just gave... I gave a viewpoint on the potential interrupting factors that a stance on, profession, on, on feminism and gender equality and so much news feeds around that area could make a man second guess himself. Um, I wasn't criticizing females in any way. It was just how it's portrayed. And it was like a Corsican say it. And the fact it was a male response to that was a perfect validation of why I can say it. Um, and I think like that changing cycle, and, and it, not even a changing cycle, that progressive and evolutionary cycle of female representation in every walk of life, it's prompted and it's trumped at every opportunity now in the news. Um, and I think close to my own interests is the drive to further the push for coverage of women in sport. And that's, that's kind of what I try and do with these conversations is to sort of make it relative to my own life, um, which does make it which does make it very obviously makes it relative and under, it, it gives me a sort of a way to to relate to material to the material. Um, so with women in sport and that constant debate and analysis of women in the workplace um, arguments relating to equal pay. I think as men. Like the easy thing to do when we see the, when we see um, clickbait news feed, newspapers, six o'clock news, everything that comes at you is just to roll your eyes and oh, for fuck's sake. Um, what becomes then an emotional and sort of immature reply about feminism? Um, and yes, that's a thing. Um, that is a thing. That fucking immature reaction is a thing. But feminism is a thing. Of course it is, um, and it's very visible, particularly on social media. You'll see feminist. Um, labelled and show and showing on a lot of bios as a show of progression and strength and this is probably the most profound undermining aspect for men is that the entire argument and debate which in truth is all about fucking decency and respect is summarised by a small word that we view as a threat no one's ever going to ask a man are you a feminist and if they did look the answer simple it's like yeah well I'm a fucking decent human being so I suppose I am um, I also sell tampons for a living, just to throw in that, it's just to throw that in there, so uh, I'm not sure if that qualifies me. I shit you not, true story. Um, I do sell more manly products like razor blades also, but uh, yeah, world's best tampon salesman, just putting it out there. Where the fuck was I? Oh yeah, so yeah, I think based on those structures that are kind of placed upon us and the ideals of family, and the fucking very essence of man. That even our generation, I'm early to mid-30s, we were spoon-fed and culturally fucking deficient um, when it came to sort of knowledge about what is changing in society. It was still very much old-fashioned. Dad goes to work, man does the cleaning, fucking provide for the family. Um, but nowadays, the quote, if fucking sisters are doing it for themselves, um, where does that leave men? 
are we surplus to requirements? And this was, again, this isn't my fucking absolute opinion on it. This was the, t- the thought process I was offering last week to kind of ask, um, you know, are, why the fuck did my music stop there? I'm back on. I don't even know if you can hear that music in the episode. I just put it up to kind of keep me chill, t- chilling in the background. Um, but yeah, look, these are just the type of questions I felt were relative to a man second-guessing himself and how gender inequality, the entire argument around feminism, etc., may affect a man and his own feelings of masculinity. That's all. I'm not challenging anything against women. Not at all. Um, but it's grand, lads. The threat doesn't exist. That's my fucking point. Um, if people are loud in their, ex- in their expression and explanation of the principle um, of fucking women's rights and feminism online, like, it's grand. Whether it's feminism, football, or fucking potholes in the roads, like, people are loud. People can be vocal. They can be intimidating and overbearing. Um, but, like, it's grand. That's what I'm saying. This is my whole point, lads. It doesn't change anything. Um, and if you take this kind of emphatic approach to the matters, such as gender equality, women's rights, um, it allows for you to silence your own understanding. Not your own understanding, that doesn't make sense. Tripping up me worse. It allows you to silence an external viewpoint and give you a better understanding as to what the fuck is actually going on in the crazy world that we live in. So just to take purchase of your own situation, uh, bring it close to home. Is your mother working her arse off like everyone else to help support you and get into college or to stay at home and to fucking feed you? Um, is she working the same job as someone else who's earning more? Is your sister playing football? Is she trying to study? Is she working at the same time, doing three things at once? Um, wants to succeed in a sport, but the support network isn't there either in practical terms or financial terms. Simple examples. Just bring it closer to home. Don't allow yourself to get grown into sort of angry and overwhelming fucking noise um, and fucking pie charts that dictate every fucking element of society that's broken down between men and women. Just bring it home and realise there's no fucking threat. Um, It's not going to threaten your masculinity in any way and if anything, all of this and the shit that goes on and the suppressing of women in society in so many roles over the years that is now thankfully changing, it makes us fucking more of a man because it puts us in a situation where we have to be better husbands better sons, better fathers, better brothers, better colleagues, um, and be a better fucking support network to those closest to us. That's me fucking conclusion on it. Take it close to home, take purchase on that, and just be fucking decent. It's not going to affect you, lads. Everything's grand. Everything's grand. There's no panic. That's the end of me fucking ranting feminism and women's rights. Before I say something, that's going to fucking get me in trouble. But I think I'm making myself clear. If I'm not, I fucking apologise. But that's the way it is. That's me thoughts. I'm grand. I'm not emotional now. I'm trying to making clear points. Um, what does that have to do with mental health? It has fucking everything to do with mental health. Everything to do with mental health. Um, and that's the very point of it. So, uh, so moving on. Jesus, nearly half an hour in already. Take a little breather there. Again, this is where I need the advert for window cleaner. So what else is going on in my life? Last Friday, last Friday, I went to the live Blind Boy podcast in Vicar Street. Um, 
I felt young. Took me back to my college days, gig after gig. I fucking lived in Vicar Street. I loved it. So I felt warm and fluffy there last week. It was great. Um, I get around to Blind Boys podcast maybe once every three weeks. Um, I have a couple that I kind of bounce off uh, and in between. So I don't get to listen to everybody's um, I'd fucking love to win the lottery retire and just listen to podcasts all day. It'd be great. Um, if you haven't listened to him, his level of intelligence is off the fucking charts. Um, he just has this quick wit and this level of intellect that makes me feel like I'm still learning the fucking alphabet. And he talks a lot about mental health. And some of his content is just extraordinary. Um, really, really interesting puts an interesting take on a lot of stuff that you know a lot of young people may sort of see as distant such as he talks a lot about art and he removes the pretentiousness away from art and just gives it to you for what it is um so do go and listen to him if you haven't listened to him already i'm sure you fucking have um but he's he's a class act he really is um so i was delighted got tickets for this it's sold out didn't know who his guest was going to be until the thursday and his guest was Tara Flynn, who, who was a writer, comedian, does a lot of voiceovers. Um, she was sort of an unofficial front to the repeal campaign, which she spoke about um, in depth. And again, relative to mental health, she spoke about just how draining that was. Um, actually, probably, fuck that. Forget the serious stuff. Um, voiceovers she revealed on stage on Friday that uh, she did the voiceover for the fucking Cadbury's Caramel Bunny fuck me Matt like I am a fucking sucker for seductive animated wildlife that bunny was all woman like Marge getting out of bed with her hair down do you remember that fucking marvellous Anywho, Tara Flynn, she was on stage with uh, Blind Boy, and um, yeah, I say I've just lost about fucking a quarter of me listeners <laughs> with my devotion of love to a fucking cartoon. Anyway, um, yeah, there was a wonderful flow to the conversation between the two on stage, great chemistry uh, in the conversation, and with the audience as well, and a lot of the discussion I think it was probably with intent, fell upon racism and racism and prejudice. And this kind of, not a plea, but just an, a, a discussion sort of to the openness for us, for all of us to recognise that, uh, look, just because you're not a fucking paid up member of the KKK doesn't mean you don't have racial tendencies. Um, which is a fair point. And... It was just a kind of a challenge to take ownership of the prejudice and the sort of stereotypes that you may have yourself and just to think of a, think of what you were subjected to from an early age, um, whether it was race, religious bias, um, and it was obviously a topical reference to this regarding the recent presidential election um, and your man's comment about the travelling community. Uh, a truly sophisticated marketing ploy, you fucking prick. Um, my God. What's amazing about that is he had a fucking team of advisors around him. And if they sat around a table fucking plotting that, sweet divine, what is the world coming to? Sounded me nana. Um, <laughs> there's one for me, me nana. A woman of immense integrity. But sweet Jesus, if you're not from Dublin 5 or Dublin 9, you're dead to her. 
That's her prejudice. What a woman. <laughs> so, in the midst of all this conversation, and kind of afterwards, um, I kind of searched that overstocked fucking file of facts uh, inside my fat head to examine, with the hardest of honesty, the, the prejudice that I've um, exposed myself to and let myself be exposed to. And thankfully, the fucking worst of it were experiences when I was in my teens. When I suppose maybe fear and misunderstanding um, were an excuse. That's fucking poor. Fuck that youth isn't an excuse. My fucking ignorance dominated my opinion, regardless of my age. So I walked, I, I did this job, I walked in, I walked this job for a fucking a long time actually, from the age of 14. Um, I was a mixture of sort of working in a warehouse and doing deliveries all around the country. And Jesus, I tell you, I army keep those days. Uh, travel the length and breadth of Ireland, um, doing deliveries. Uh, I had this map actually, and I had it pinned up my wall, and every town I visited, I had a red marker, and I marked a little dot on the map of my wall um, to say I'd been there. So by the end of the summer, uh, it looked like Ireland had the fucking measles. Uh, good times though, really enjoyed it. But anywho, the chap I normally travelled with and walked with, he was having his holly bops, and uh, there was this gentleman who did a few nixers here and there for the boss. So he came in and he was asked to do delivery runs for a week and I was to go with him. Now, this gentleman was from, was from the travelling community. And with me heading off him for the week, the other workers on site got this great laugh from the fact that I had to go and walk with this guy um, who was a traveller. Um, and in my fucking ignorance, the behest of my fucking youthful ignorance, like I was fucking mortified. I'd be in this van, going around, in and out, and people would think I was a traveller. Um, I made it about me. The fearful, ignorant, 16-year-old prick that I was. Um, and the lads I wore, they gave me the nickname Tato. Remember Into the West? Gabriel Bourne played the dad, settled down travellers up in Ballymun. Uh, and the two sons were called Tato and Ozzy. So I was called Tato after that. Uh, and everyone had a great laugh at me. Uh, I remember pulling me zip up over me fucking mouth, drived away, didn't want anyone to see me. It was fucking mortified. Why? Because um, I was embarrassed to be associated with someone from uh, a background that uh, I made a predetermined fucking judgment about based on what I was told um, and what I had heard growing up. So obviously, the fucking chap turned out to be a gent, unsurprisingly. He's just a fucking man. Um, uh, he spoke with pride about his fucking daughters, how he wanted them to go to college and do well. He spoke about how he loved driving, how he loved getting out of the city and just taking the country roads. Um, ended up having a fucking great time with him. And uh, I'm fucking embarrassed telling that story. 16, 17 years later, like that, that was... And that was down to, that was down to, I'm not saying, I'm not blaming my parents, I'm talking about my societal upbringing, the timing in which I was fucking born and raised. That's the fucking attitude we were coached to have to people from a fucking different race, ethnicity, background, whatever the fuck it may be. Um, quite embarrassing, really. Um, I'm actually a bit embarrassed telling that story, like, but... It, that was normal. That was a fucking normal reaction. If you think about it, it fucking was. And uh, thankfully, I think of a bit more openness, um, a bit more of a view, a broader fucking outlook to uh, to the divide in society and what fucking and the difference between fucking right and wrong, and an understanding and respect as well. Um, 
So that was mine. That's what I took from the conversation, just examining my own prejudices, and uh, that's what I came up with. So uh, I suppose even to get that from a live podcast for two hours, to even get that, to, to get one little thing to sort of examine yourself from, um, makes it all worthwhile. So yeah, sound. Um, so Tara Flynn, she, um, they spoke, she deleted her Twitter. She deleted her Twitter account. Um, she, I, I'm not on Twitter much. It's too politicised. I use Instagram. It's a bit more colour, a bit more fun. Um, it's just a lot of pictures, really. And I think the the interaction's a bit safer, I think. It doesn't get too opinionated. Look, I suppose, if you don't want it. Uh, Twitter can be a fucking toilet. Um, so I try not to use it. But they spoke about kind of dealing with trolls online and dealing with abuse online. And that if someone is abusing you from a height... Uh, online the sort of original approach the two of them sort of said that they had was oh well people are entitled to their opinion but then bringing it back to the real world was that if somebody went up to you in in a pub one night and started abusing you you wouldn't fucking stand for it you'd either ask for the bouncer to fuck them out or you'd fuck off yourself and go somewhere else where you felt safe and comfortable Um, so I thought that that was even that was a cool message to kind of put out but she she deleted her twitter and um She's sort of building her own brand up again, I suppose, having set up a, a podcast recently, which has a fucking deadly name, Taranoia, which she describes as her own unique brand of insecurity. Um, and on this podcast, she spoke, was it episode? She said, she told people to start on episode nine. Um, because it's a podcast with her and her husband who is an African-American. And this is probably what set the tone of um, discussion around race and prejudice. So this kind of organic team around race and prejudice, she spoke um, She spoke about her marriage, spoke about being married to an African-American and highlighting interracial mal- uh, an interracial marriage, what she has learned with regard to her own attitude and I suppose are somewhat unrealizing, unrealizing prejudice when it comes to to race relations, um, from a fucking place of white privilege, which is what Ireland fucking is or was growing up in the eighties, nineties, nineties, and obviously at the time when her husband first came to Ireland, and uh, there were not many people of colour, there were not many black people around. So in episode nine, um, they sit down and they discuss without any real structure what they've been through together in the relationship, in this interracial relationship. And it's not all doom and gloom. There's a fucking beautiful closeness and understanding in their chat. And that's all this is. It's as if they were sitting down on a fucking Friday night, having their dinner, and somebody stuck a microphone in between the cutlery, and this is their masterpiece. Um, And firstly, actually, I listened to it. I went straight to fucking episode nine. So have a listen to this uh, over the weekend. Fourth point of note, Carl Austin, I think the gentleman's name is, Tara Flynn's husband, he has a voice like fucking caramel poured over thunder. Sweet Jesus, he could serenade me to sleep with some nursery rhymes any night of the week. Wow, what a voice. Magnificent. And that's not the point of this segment, I promise. Um, they, They discuss... The biggest thing to come out of is they have this kind of discussion about a misunderstanding and a naivety when it comes to the language and certain word choice that we use. So this particular word, the N-word, and Tara tells a story about how she had worked it into one of her skits, one of her, 
one of her for one of her comedy shows. And she spoke to Carl beforehand. She told him out straight, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm using the word. And he neither approved or disapproved. So she went along, delivered a punchline, not once but twice on two consecutive nights, and came off stage with the realization that either even with the fucking medium of humour, creativity, art, all of that together. She said, it still didn't feel right. Something just didn't fucking rest easy with her. And when she explained it to, to her husband, his response was fucking incredibly magnanimous, incredibly dignified. He looked at her and he just said, thanks for getting there. Didn't tell her what to do. He fucking waited for her to understand. Very poignant, Shakespearean almost. And that's the fucking power of the connection. That's the power of love. Thought that was a nice story. Nice way to finish off. Um, yes, we got through 36 minutes. Jesus, without a break. Um, the worst thing about this when you follow through on a fucking 30, 40 minute segment without a break is I to be thinking to myself, if I get this far and I trip up on something really fucking badly, um, I have to stop, delete the thing and start again. But fuck it, that's rawness. That's our authenticity. There, nearly did it. Um, and it works, so fucking happy days. Um, yeah, Eminem, fucking stash a rap under me bed, Blind Boys podcast, Tara Flynn, fucking feminism, me pretending I know what it's about. Final shout out this week. Uh, Saturday morning, I'm rocking out 50k, a 50k run through the streets of Dublin. This is my Ulysses, this is my journey of Dublin. Uh, I'm doing it for Pieta House, one of the most important organisations in Ireland today. Um, as you know, it's my mission to... I've made it my fucking mission to to sort of promote positive mental health. Um, and I try and do it in a unique and sincere way as possible through these different challenges. Uh, we did a bit for Aware earlier this year. We're doing this one for Pieta House. Uh, I say we because I do have a team around me to help me with all of these things. Um, our aim was to ra- raise a thousand euro... Um, as a thousand euro is enough to cover a full program of counselling for one person um, and we've done that I just checked there tonight we've gone over a thousand euro so it's going to make a difference to one person hopefully give somebody a chance um, helping bring them back from the brink and give them fucking hope in their life because there is hope um, so thanks very much if you've contributed um, a, lot of the, a lot of the donations come from people I don't know which I think is fucking amazing Um so delighted with that and it's just giving me an extra buzz now just to go out and do really well on Saturday I'm feeling efficient in my energy I'm feeling feeling a bit more lean and a bit more uh, I feel a bit more ready and prepared than I did for the Dublin Martin three weeks ago which was a fucking disaster I felt like it never ran before in my life um, but if anything the positive on that is it just really honed me in to get ready for this on Saturday so um, my Instagram performance underscore doc doc you can check out the progress from half eight Saturday morning and uh, I'm really looking forward to it um, so there you go episode 12 wrapped up in a fucking messy little package thanks very much for listening again as I said please subscribe please leave your feedback please tell your fucking mate share with everyone you know and thank you very much talk to you next week take care